This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. Our confidence is in Christ alone. Are we going to stand with God come what may? If the Word of God says it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. And now, here is Janet Mefford. Thank you so much for joining us again. We were so encouraged recently by the actions of the PCA General Assembly in voting by a pretty wide margin on this overture to ban self-professing gay or same-sex attracted Christians from ordination to the ministry. That process now has to work its way through the individual presbyteries. But it was an incredible shot in the arm for those of us who have been fighting the unbiblical errors of the Revoice Conference since even before it began and was held that first year at Memorial Presbyterian Church in St. Louis. But, of course, the fight goes on. The pastor of that church, Greg Johnson, subsequently came out as a same-sex attracted or gay Christian in the pages of Christianity Today. And he recently did a very revealing interview in advance of the release of his upcoming book, trying to debunk the idea that anybody can ever completely leave homosexuality and find full freedom in Jesus Christ. Now, Pastor Johnson did a webcast interview called Same-Sex Attracted, Sexually Pure, and Unfit for Ministry with Press. Justin Sprinkle, president of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. And one of the people they went after, curiously enough, in this interview was my friend Stephen Black. Now, you know Stephen if you listen to me much. He is executive director of First Stone Ministries. He formerly served with Exodus International. He was a key leader in starting its breakaway organization, Restored Hope Network. Most importantly, though, Stephen is a living testimony to God's grace, having been delivered out of homosexuality for decades. He's also written the book Freedom Realized, and we partnered together, of course, on our God's Voice Conference repudiating LGBTQ plus Christianity a couple of years back. I am really excited to have him come on and answer some of these Greg Johnson claims. And we're going to talk about some very other important issues as well. Stephen, thank you for hanging in through that very long introduction, but welcome back. Great to have you. No, it was a great one. Thank you so much. Good to be with you. All right. I want to jump to these clips. I'm going to try to get through four of these. I picked out four. People can listen to the whole thing on YouTube. I don't recommend it. It was painful, man. It was really painful. But Greg Johnson is coming out with a book, apparently in September, called Still Time to Care, What We Can Learn from the Church's Failed Attempt to Cure Homosexuality, which I find hilarious, Stephen, because I don't know of anybody doing what you do, anybody who says, we can cure you your homosexuality. I mean, what do you even make of that title? Well, it's uh, it's disingenuous at the very least, and it's completely deceptive at the most. Um, the reality is, is I've never known anyone uh, in the 30 years that I've been in ministry that says that they cure homosexuality. Now, different varying levels of healing and different varying levels of sustained freedom, absolutely, because the Bible actually promises that. And of course, it does depend upon a life uh, experience and how much history a person has in a particular sin, just like a, a person who would struggle with other forms of addiction. But if you can get somebody early in life who is very uh, transparent, 
who has not acted out their levels of freedom from any kind of an identity that is what the Bible says is, is um, you know, sinful, and especially uh, with LGBTQ, uh, something that is detestable and unnatural. Uh, yes, those people can fa- find a great level of absolute uh, freedom uh, from having a life driven with lust and attraction like these people are normalizing. Well, right. That's that's a very important distinction, and I want to get into that in greater detail. But let's go to this first cut. This is Greg Johnson in this webcast interview talking about the number of people who have left homosexuality through so-called conversion therapy has been very low. Listen to what he said. Cut one. We are dealing with, particularly in conservative evangelicalism, we're dealing with the legacy of the ex-gay movement, which for 40 years said that gay, gay people could become straight if they wanted to, if they tried hard enough, prayed hard enough, went through the program. And, uh, and, and that didn't happen for most people. In fact, it was very, I found in terms of gay to straight conversions, um, 800,000 people went through conversion therapy, and I've found 10 so far that had gay to straight conversion. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Out of 800,000 people, only 10 were straight coming out. I mean, what what do you make of that? You didn't try hard enough. You didn't pray hard enough. Again, is this just a straw man he's knocking down, Stephen? Because I've heard you say the exact opposite. You can't try your way out of leaving homosexuality. You need the power of the gospel. It's pretty laughable when he reports uh, the the numbers as being almost zilch, like Alan Chambers, when he he mocked my book and the the uh, the survey that we did that he he literally mocked, saying that only one person in thirty years of ministry became uh, from from gay to straight, and yet we don't even use that kind of terminology. You don't find that in our books. You don't find that in the teachings. The the reality is. Is, is that there's always in sanctification going to be varying levels of progression, and it really does depend upon a person's um, surrender uh, to Jesus and their willingness to renew their their inner man and their mind. And he he and along with Preston Sprinkle are making a mockery of really of what the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God and the Word of God does to the person who is completely surrendered to Jesus Christ. And that's what's really tragic. My heart goes out to Greg. Um, My heart goes out to people that are listening to him. Uh, I I think it's tragic, the level of unbelief that these men are operating in because they want to quote uh, and and live according to uh, their gospel of the American Psychological Association's narrative of orientation. To me, that's tragic because it's akin to secular humanism. It's not not the gospel of Jesus. They are promoting an idea that LGBTQ plus sign needs to be normative in the church as a sexual minority. And so they want to they make anyone that would listen to somebody who is actually preaching the gospel, even the church now, anyone that is promoting the idea that the Holy Spirit can do an inward change of un natural affections and lust should be mocked. 
church. Mm. And so this is what Second Peter chapter 2 and, and chapter 3, it talks about in the last days that there would be an increasing false teachers and scoffers and mockers, mm. and that's what these people are doing. Yeah. And God helped them because, um, you know, when you turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, like Jude's epistle says, um, you're denying Jesus as Lord. Mm. That's so true. And, and you know something else he said, and I'm going to get to the part about you. So we'll hold that for the next segment where I'm going to play that clip so you can react to it. But he said earlier on in the interview that he's been celibate all of his life. And then he said, I don't have the clip right here, but he said uh, to Preston Sprinkle, I stink at being gay. He said he kissed a girl once many years ago, but he said, I stink at being gay. I've never held hands. So if we ever touch hands, don't hold on too long. I'm thinking that this guy's a pastor. And, and if we're trying to act like your so-called sexual orientation is no big deal and that's not biblical, that's another form of scoffing, isn't it? Oh, I just stink at being gay, but, you know, don't hold my hand too long. Why, how is that appropriate for a pastor to be saying? It's not appropriate at all. It reminds me of Ephesians uh, chapter 5 when, when Paul actually says that to be a godly person, uh, if you're really going to be a follower of Christ, uh, it says you're to be imitators of God. And right there in context, it's, you're not supposed to have foolish talking or coarse jesting, uh, but rather giving of thanks, especially in context of what verse 3 says uh, about fornication and sexual uncleanness and covetousness. Yeah. And so you have a pastor and then also supposed to be a Ph.D. leader of faith, gender, and sexuality, actually almost, in, when you listen to their interview, it's almost a frivolity of, of uh, sarcasm and joking about concerning uh, something so serious. I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes. It's like the dead fly in a perfume bottle, which says you, you are to never take something so serious and then put frivolity around it. And that's what these men do. Well, you're right. There was a lot of unnecessary giggling in that webcast, but we're going to get to some more of these cuts and get your response. Stephen Black with us. We'll be back on Janet Meffer today. This is Janet Mafford. We're partnering with Bible League International to send God's word to 1,500 Bibleist believers in Africa, in many parts of countries like Kenya, Tanzania, Ghana, and Mozambique. As many as nine out of 10 Christians are denied God's word because of corrupt governments, majority religions, remoteness, and poverty. They've never been able to read 1 Peter 5, 7, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Reading that promise of God means everything to you and me, and now it will means so much to these Bibleist Christians in Africa when you respond. Here's Pastor John in Mozambique. One occasion, I found a pastor that was leading a church of 90 church members. And he was having one Bible that was starting from Exodus and ends to the Ephesians. And he was leading the church with that Bible. So when we went to give them the Bible, imagine joy. They sang, they danced, they cried, and they praised God 
for the gift of the Bible. $5 sends one Bible, $100 sends 20, $500 sends 100, and your gift of any size will help us meet our goal of sending 1,500 Bibles to Africa. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D, or there's an Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa banner to click at JanetMefford.com. Actually, the, the need is great. If you could remember the other picture of a lady who was trying to show me the Bible, that. Pastor, I understand you work with Bible, but we don't have Bibles here. So that, that, that lady had a Bible from Exodus to the book of Hebrews. That's all. You see that? So there is a great need of Bibles. Send God's word to a Bibleist believer in Africa today for only $5. Call 800-YESWORD. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Welcome back. Great to have you with us and great to have with us Stephen Black from First Stone Ministries. Greg Johnson was that pastor of Memorial uh, Memorial Presbyterian Church in St. Louis. He was the guy who hosted the Revoice Conference, the first Revoice Conference that started it all. And we, you know, we've been critiquing Revoice since the very beginning, even before it was held. Greg Johnson recently did a webcast and he was critiquing the idea that you can honestly leave homosexuality behind completely. And I am with uh, Stephen trying to go through some of what he said, some of these clips, because I think it's worthwhile for people to hear at least some excerpts of this. So you can see what these people are saying who are pushing this idea of LGBTQ plus Christianity. Let's go to the next one. Now here, Greg is asked by Preston Sprinkle, wow, you've really been attacked and criticized. I mean, how do you deal with this? And you just can't even believe what he said. Listen to this. Cut to. Yeah. You know, you have to go back to the gospel again and again and again. Uh, There, but for the grace of God, go I. After I became a Christian, I became a raving, legalistic, angry, hyper-Calvinist, cage stage Calvinist. And and I'm very much still a Calvinist, uh, but, you know, I'm not the angry guy anymore that I was. But I look at some of these guys and I see myself not that Mm. long ago, um, only it was different issues. But it's that that constant need that many Christians feel to have an enemy within the church that they're fighting against, Mm -hmm. where they, they tend to filter things through a, a kind of Jeremiah narrative of decline. And so then they see somebody like me and they're like, they're not praising God saying, wow, the gospel reaches gay people. They're, they're saying, oh no, our standards are declining. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so, but I, I don't think, I think it's a small minority within our denomination. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't think it all represents who we are as the Presbyterian church in America. I think we're, denomination that puts the gospel first. Well, there we go. We have this problem, Stephen, that we are looking for some kind of enemy within the church and we're coming up with these narratives about decline. Is that really what's going on? Because that's not how I remember it. Yeah, it's it's not. And I think your listeners need to understand this is not about even, you know, a personality, but a mindset. And this mindset, even in uh, 2000, last year, this same Presbyterian pastor and church hosted a thing called Transluminate, which was an arts festival on LGBTQ advocacy and a festival for celebrating transgenderism, non-binaries, genderqueer, and gender-fluid artists there on their property. And so th- this is it is going from bad to worse. And so just as we heard in Greg's words, he thinks 
holiness or the idea of promoting inward change is some kind of angry legalism and the call of like a Jeremiah's voice that is is calling for holiness is somehow harsh and mean and cruel. And yet, you know, when I view the holiness of God, I'm an awestruck. I, I am literally uh, like... Um, uh, the revelator uh, John, when he falls down at the at the the very presence of Jesus, and someone who really loves God and knows God understands that God is so holy, and they are making God in an image that really is bringing in something so unclean as an orientation of LGBTQ. Well, I... And you've got to pity that because that's that is what's going on, and all you have to do is kind of look at some of the history of this, it's not getting uh, healthier or holier. It's getting more broader, wider, and more pervasively liberal. And even in the revoice movement, when you have what these so-called celibate gay Christians, they're hanging out with those who are practicing homosexuals who call themselves Christians, which the Bible actually forbids. You're not even supposed to sit down and eat with such a one. And yet the level of frivolity around this continues. Well, you're right about that. Now, let's go to something else Greg Johnson had to say. And you tell me after listening to this, if this would concern you. He says he's about the gospel, but listen to this particular clip. This is cut three. When Jesus redefined family, when his mother and brothers were outside while he was teaching and somebody said, oh, Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside. He totally redefined family and what obligations we have to one another because he he did the shameful thing in an honor-based society. Mm-hmm. He let them sit out there. Mm-hmm. And he turned to his followers and said, these are my mother and brothers and fathers and all of that. You know, this is, this is my family. And family has mutual obligations. You know, if a family member of yours needs a ride to the airport, you give them a ride to the airport. Mm-hmm. If a family member of yours needs bail money, you bail them out. Mm-hmm. If a family of yours is in a family member of yours is in a public scandal, you publicly support them and then chew them out privately afterwards. <laughs> you know, there's their basic obligations you have to your family. And, uh, and Jesus says that the nuclear family is not the primary locus of those obligations. The church is. Okay. Well, first of well, all, let's just say this is the revoice commentary, people. This is not at all the interpretation of Matthew 12, 40, 46 through 50 at all. When Jesus, here it is, Stephen, while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, when you go to somebody reputable like Matthew Henry, he makes the point that while his mother and brother desired to speak with Jesus, they actually should have been standing there desiring to hear him. This was not a redefinition of the family. It was making a point that the lesser duty has to wait while the greater is done. Now, I mean, this guy, what is he doing in the ministry? Jesus never redefined the family. That's just unbelievable. Well, and Janet, your listeners need to understand in his mind, in his context of redefining the family, in this interview, he's, he's speaking of people that are legitimizing what is called LGBTQ 
plus sign Christianity as sexual minorities as a part of the family. Yep. And that should give everyone great pause as to the level of heresy that's coming into the Presbyterian Church of America. Well, you're right. And, and we go back, for example, to that controversy that we, we dealt with a lot, which was when Sam Albury, an editor at the Gospel Coalition, and it was with the Living Out Ministry. I think he's kind of distanced himself from it now. But he had come out with this church audit, this how biblically inclusive is your church? And all of these points that were on this original handout were asking things like, are you sufficiently sharing your children with people different than you? How friendly is your church to the LGBT? I mean, you talk about wanting to redefine the family. It seems really with these activists that they are using the venue of the church and the institution of the church to try to redefine the family and make people feel guilty by saying the nuclear family is an idol, which is just claptrap. It makes me so mad to see this lie perpetuated again and again and again and twisting of the scripture in order to justify it. And this is a, right out of the playbook of the Human Rights Campaign, the biggest gay lobby in uh, Washington, D.C., that says we need to have a faith-based initiative in the church to make the church embrace homosexuality and gay marriage. My goodness. Now, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to run out of time probably to get your full commentary in, but I want to play this last cut. We might have to have a little short time before we go into the next break, but this is where they go after you, Stephen, not by name, but this discussion of those crazy ministries that are still around believing in change from homosexuality to freedom in Christ. Listen to Greg Johnson. This is Cut 4. At one point in my book, I talk about The Walking Dead, because if the ex-gay movement kind of died with the closure of Exodus International in 2013, that was the big umbrella. Um, the, The cadaver is still walking about undead among us. And uh, you see it in the Restored Hope Network, which is a group of, of um, ministries, former Exodus ministries that have continued the ex-gay narrative primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was another network of slightly more moderate ones that disbanded last year. Um, but, uh, you know, I think one former head of the Restored Hope Network has a ministry in, in Oklahoma who was on Bot Radio Network a couple years ago claiming a 72% success rate at changing people from homosexuality. And, you know, Janet Mefford was just sitting there lapping it up. uh, And every listener understood him to be saying, these are straight people who, or gay people who became straight through his ministry, 72% success rate. But I went and looked at his numbers because he published them and I crunched the data and he, treated as success, those who said, I don't consider myself gay, but I am still exclusively attracted to the same sex. He called that a sexual orientation change. That's not, that's a sexual orientation terminology change. That's amazing. I mean, Stephen, of course, he's talking about you and I just lapped it all up, but uh, about a minute and a half, I think, till we, we have until we have to go into the next break. What do you say to that? Is, is I want to come to your defense, and anybody that knows you knows that you're a stellar uh, investigative reporter, and uh, you don't just lap things up, and you do your research. So Greg Johnson and Preston Sprinkle should be rebuked uh, for, for saying something so outrageous. It's really pretty sad. But bottom line, and I want your listeners to know this, that anybody that wants a copy of my book 
and PDF to actually do their own search, and you can do search and find in a PDF to see if there is any quote like what he just described of me saying that there is a 100% eradication of uh, you know what they call orientation. Matter of fact, what I say in my book, I quote, homosexuality and same-sex attractions are unnatural desires and feelings that are a result of sinful fall of humanity. Homosexuality or gay Christianity should never be recognized as a legitimate identity in the church or legitimate as an orientation. To do so only sows a cruel bondage of lowered sexual ethic for the next generation. My goodness. Well, there is a lot more to talk about. We'll pause and we'll come right back. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. This Janet Mefford Today podcast is brought to you in part by Bible League International. We want to send 1,500 Bibles to Africa through Bible League's Open the Floodgates Bibles for Africa campaign. $5 sends one Bible. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD. This is Janet Mefford Today. And now, here's your host, Janet Mefford. Well, this is amazing. Greg Johnson, the pastor of Memorial Presbyterian Church in St. Louis, Missouri, the church that hosted the first Revoice Conference, did a webcast with Preston Sprinkle in which he claimed, basically, my friend Stephen Black from First Stone Ministries is the walking dead. Were you aware of that, Stephen, that you're the walking dead simply because you've done these effectiveness surveys at your ministry, talking about the levels of freedom that people who have come to you for counseling have experienced? I want to give you the opportunity to refute some of what Greg Johnson said. Sure, thank you. You know, it, it, it's 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 laughable, uh, but yet, you know, the Scripture calls us to die to ourselves, so I, I can take that almost as a badge of honor that he would consider me a, a dead man walking, <laughs> in that I'm dead to myself and I live to Christ. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me yes. and who has delivered me from a lifestyle of homosexuality and this perverse sexual orientation as he has with hundreds of other men that I know at varying levels, and nobody, and nothing in my book claims that somebody has a complete eradication of temptation or struggle uh, or even desires, but there is a trajectory of people who really surrender their lives to Christ. And so that number of 72 to 73% was the numbers just from a survey it's just raw data. It's fact. Greg and Preston and others like them who want to promote homosexuality in the church as a legitimate orientation hate the fact that there are people who really, truly surrender to Jesus and find lasting freedom from that kind of a label. And I want to quote out of my book uh, on page 88. It says that the true seeker in Christ find their identity in him completely. Sincere, devoted people who leave homosexuality and the same-sex lust behind do not look to psychology, higher learning, 
gay advocates or the label of gay or ex-gay or the label of sexual orientation. These people look to Jesus Christ and his word for their identity as male and female. The devoted believer is not deceived in embracing an identity of orientation or the desire of the fallen nature. Now, that is what I say, and that's because it's biblical. And Preston Sprinkle, God bless them, and Greg Johnson really need to study their Bible. And you know, as I was listening to their podcast, I don't think I even heard one reference to Scripture except to malign the true followers of Jesus. And that is a sad expression of what is supposed to be a podcast on theology. Oh, yeah. Well, and also the twisting of Scripture of Jesus in Matthew 12 was so-called redefining the family. So so they take right. the Scripture and twist it. It's, it's nauseating. And I'm looking at this. Now, this is a question that I have, because in your fact sheet on the complete... First on Ministries Effectiveness Survey report that you did. As you mentioned, after receiving ministry services and leaving First Stone, most receiving a few years of ministry help, again, 72 to 73% consider themselves free from sexual sin and brokenness. What does that mean in, in practical terms? Because you say you're not, you're not saying that people are always going to be free from all temptation. I mean, we, we are in the flesh and, and to varying degrees, we all continue to have those temptations of various kinds. He seems to make the distinction that from an orientation standpoint, you just can't change. Maybe you could stop the behavior, but you can't change the orientation. Again, buying into this Mark Yarhouse assumption from a psychological point of view, which is completely unbiblical, that orientation is just the way you are. I, I Refute that if you would. Well, absolutely. Matter of fact, they end this same podcast, they're mocking freedom. Preston Sprinkle himself likens it unto the idea of a miraculous healing from people from Down syndrome. Yeah. And people, uh, and he even mock, he says it very mockingly that God can do whatever he wants, changing people from gay to straight. Or even, and he says, God can change people from straight to gay. Yes. And, you know, when oh. I heard that, I'm like, man, brother, do you? If he is a brother, I hope he is. You know, do you even hear what you're saying about the holiness of God and his desire to bring about a place of real liberty in the spirit of a soul who has been in the bondage of homosexuality and or same-sex attraction, which the scripture is very clear, unnatural. And instead of promoting the idea of a, a faithful gospel that brings power, they are promoting absolute unbelief and normalizing this idea of the Mark Yarhouse and D.A. Carson sexual orientation narrative of sexual minorities for the church. They want to they want to make that now the new terminology for the church. Yep. And this, Janet, I'm telling you, is going to leave a cruel bondage to people in this next generation. Well, it's a new theology, isn't it? It's a new theology. Yeah. They're saying that this is basically not just what Yarhouse says, this is what is biblical. And that's, I mean, you talk about adding to or taking away from the word of God and the penalties that the Bible talks about to those who dare to do that. It's terrifying to me. It is terrifying, especially when you look just at, at, at the Lord in his word through Paul, who literally says, you've not learned Jesus this way. If the truth is really in you, that you put off 
you put off the former conduct that that is actually growing corrupt with deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of the mind for you put on the new person. You put on the new man uh, uh, created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, and they're making a mockery of that very passage in Ephesians 4 by promoting the idea that orientation, the APA narrative, is legitimate rather than the Word of God that brings a renewing of the spirit of the mind where you don't have to be driven in these perverse lusts. And that, to me, is grievousome. Oh, well, it is. And, you know, I think about that old line that says, beware of taking advice from somebody who benefits if you take it, you know, and sometimes we use that in a financial sense. But I was thinking about it as I was listening to Greg Johnson, because as a, you know, self-identified gay Christian, celibate gay Christian, he really doesn't like the idea that anybody can change and really spends an awful lot of time and energy trying to debunk it, even though he admits that some do and doesn't want to really deal with that. But I mean, is this maybe uh, an issue of a seared conscience that what, what he really is annoyed about is that there is testimony out there from people who the Lord has set free from homosexuality, such as yourself. He doesn't want to deal with that because the implication is not only can you change to Greg and not have to live in bondage to sin, but you, you should, you should pursue uh, to mortify your flesh insofar as you are experiencing any kind of lust and any kind of Christian who is experiencing lust has to mortify that sin. Is this a personal issue, do you think? I, I absolutely think that it is. And for those that are promoting this, you know, this new Pray Away, the documentary, people that have fallen back, people that embrace their lust and desires as they want to somehow legitimize it and still have a relationship with God and be at peace with that. You know, he calls himself the 50-year-old virgin. Yeah. And yet when you really look at some of his other testimony, Greg Johnson, that is, is, is he was a man addicted to gay pornography for years. And we now know even the science on this, that the erosion in the brain is likened unto a crack cane addict. And so there needs to be healing. And yes, there needs to be a belief and an embracing that over time, if you surrender to Jesus Christ, you can start experiencing greater levels of freedom in the way that you think, especially towards your same sex, rather than living legitimizing something that, quite frankly, is uh, akin to blasphemy and demonic strongholds in people's lives by promoting the idea of LGBTQ in front of the word Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it it really is akin to blasphemy blasphemy and blaspheming uh, Jesus as the Christ by putting gay Christian and promoting that as something legitimate. And that's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking because last month they were after our children with the gay men's choir. This month that they're now after the the teenage boys in the church. Hang on a second, Stephen. We have to run to a break. You mentioned Pray Away. I want to get into that issue when we come back. This is Janet Meffer today. Ask yourself, what do you pay for health care? Are you single? Do you pay more than $199 a month? Are you a couple? Do you pay more than $299 a month? Do you have a family? Do you pay more than $399 a month? 
Yes, you can serve the entire family with health care for only $399 a month with Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare is a nonprofit ministry, not insurance. So your money goes toward helping other members with their eligible medical expenses. And in your time of need, other members are there for you too. You can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals. Sign up at any time of the year. Pick your own doctor and hospital. Find out more at libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. That's libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. Or call now, 855-565-2561. That's 855-565-2561 or libertyhealthshare.org slash JMT. I was afraid. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. Everybody wanted me to have an abortion. The battle for life has heated up in our country, and standing for life is more difficult than ever. The Ministry of Preborn empowers young women in crisis to choose life. By letting an expectant mother hear her baby's heartbeat and see him on an ultrasound, she's 80% more likely to choose life for her baby. She did let me hear the heartbeat, and I was like, wow, it's something like living inside of me. It was a beautiful thing to hear. Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country. Would you join with Preborn and Janet Mefford today and help women with crisis pregnancies choose life? For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, call 855-402-BABY. We really need your help during these summer months when donations tend to slow down. Please help right now if you can. 855-402-BABY. 855-402-2229. Or there's a Preborn banner to click at Janet Mefford. You're listening to Janet Mefford today. And now, here's Janet. Well, at the risk of being accused of lapping up the information in Stephen Black's book, Freedom Realized, it's actually a great book. And if you are listening to some of this propaganda from the purveyors of so-called LGBTQ plus Christianity, you're not going to be getting the truth about how many people who have come to know the Lord have been able to break free from homosexuality. Freedom Realized is a great book and you should check it out. Stephen, let's talk as we were about Greg Johnson, the Revoice hosting pastor doing this crazy webcast and saying that you're like the walking dead because you believe people can change. People can read about this in Freedom Realized. Another means of propaganda, as you mentioned a few moments ago, is this Netflix film that's going to be coming out on August 3rd called Pray Away. And the whole thing of Pray Away is trying to debunk the... It's the same stuff. They're they're trying to debunk... uh, Actually, one outlet called it a definitive documentary on conversion therapy. One description said, former leaders of the Pray the Gay Away movement I don't even know what that is, contend with the aftermath unleashed by their actions while a survivor seeks healing and acceptance from more than a decade of trauma. Go, Stephen, go after it. Any, <laughs> go. Well, it's, it really is. It's, uh, it's a, mocker, a mockery of the gospel. Uh, people need to wake up. This is going to be an all-out assault on ministries, counselors, but especially on the gospel of Jesus Christ. I like what Joe Dallas says. He says, one does not merely pray the gay away. One must reckon gay as part of the decay. Mm. And that is a really great statement because you can can't merely pray away gay or mature uh, minister of the gospel knows that this is nonsense. Nobody teaches that. Nobody even puts out the idea of conversion therapy as some kind of offering. It's always been pastoral care in these ministries. And yes, some reparative therapy in, in, in some of the professional counselors, but nobody promotes what they are trying to promote with all these failed 
former Exodus leaders who are propagating um, this this lie. And when you look at the history and you look at these players, and I know these people, every single one of them never resolved trauma. They didn't resolve their porn addiction. They didn't resolve their secretly acting out, going to gay bars and seeking out uh, hookups. And they even some of these people have even boasted about their love for gay pornography that are in this documentary. Well, no wonder. They they you know, they want some kind of zapping a pray, pray away, uh, some kind of bondage when you're living in absolute disobedience to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And that really is the bottom line on this. These people lived years in disobedience. They were like the dry drunk or the drunk that kept going back and they never got free. And now they're angry at God. Mm-hmm. And that they actually, and some of them pretend obedience to the Lord. And Psalms um, 81.15 says, those who would pretend submission or obedience to the Lord are actually haters of God. Mm -hmm. And this is a tragic thing that we have with this Pray Away documentary. It is squarely coming after the Church of Jesus and the Gospel of Transformation. That's what it's about. Yeah, and it's obvious that the the message that underlies this effort and so many of these other narratives that we hear is that they want to discredit the idea that you can leave homosexuality behind either with your behavior or with your temptations and lusts to any degree and especially that you could ever switch teams as it were and be straight and have a happy marriage and a normal family and all the rest. Speak if you would very briefly Stephen about some of these people they're featuring in this movie I recognized from the trailer Julie Rogers she was the what the LGBT liaison at Wheaton College before she ended up you know embracing homosexuality and so called marrying a woman. John Polk was in there but who are some of these people um, in this movie and in the ones that you know in particular? Well, it's funny because you have this Michael Bussey guy who always wants to claim that he was one of the founders of Exodus, and yet Exodus didn't even get their charter until the early 80s about, you know, really a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. And so it's 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 pretty ironic that they even have him in there. Um, and then you got Randy Thomas, the former failed vice president of Exodus that was, you know, buddy-buddy with Alan Chambers in Clark Witten's church, Orlando yep. Grace, that actually promoted antinomianism, hypergrace, and pretty much Gnosticism and the spirit of the Nicolaitans, where you it doesn't really matter what you do in your body. You just believe, pray a prayer, and you got your ticket punched, and all the while, you can be, um, you know, porn addicted and or, you know, gay. And now Randy's wanting to marry a man and lives with a man. And uh, Alan Chambers, you know, himself, uh, the 99.9% don't change, has what he calls Leslie desires. And yet he's a gay man. And so these these people are secretly struggling. And uh, last month, like I said earlier, they were coming for our children uh, and mocking that with the San Francisco choir. But now this coming month, they're coming after our Christian teenagers, and they're trying to tell anyone uh, in any way that is struggling with homosexuality or transgender identity conflict, uh, some kind of gender dysphoria, that they just need to embrace it rather than try to seek help from the church or from ministries. And uh, this really is an assault on the gospel, and they really do want 
to pass laws across all 50 states to stop what they call conversion therapy, what I call the preaching of the gospel and bringing pastoral care to the souls of hurting people. And uh, this is coming for the church. This is what they want to do. Well, the ongoing reason that they always cite among these activists for fighting against any kind of talk therapy or change therapy or Christian ministry, helping people with unwanted same-sex attraction, for example, who might have been sexually abused. That's a whole nother subject. They always say it's because it has harmed people. It has traumatized people. It has ruined their lives. They became suicidal. The problem with making that statement, though, Stephen, is I never seem to really hear a lot of specifics. You might have somebody say, I was traumatized. And I'm thinking to myself, shouldn't we be hearing more detail about that if in fact that were true? Because you'll hear about, oh, you know, the terrible tactics that they use, electroshock therapy, which hasn't been used in what, 70 years? I mean, are we really getting a true narrative here uh, that that's such a rife problem of trauma and harm and danger to anybody who goes to therapy? Because if you're an adult, at least you can choose not to go. Nobody's making you go. Well, and that's just it, is their, their, their narrative now is to actually use the word, this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they want to protect children. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand why do they want to stop children in their most formative years of sexual development, teenagers, from getting good talk therapy and counseling or pastoral care. Why would they want to stop that? Well, the bottom line, it's real clear, it's recruitment. They really are thinking, and, and some of them, I would suggest, they are well-meaning in their, in their deception, uh, but they're being used as pawns of the enemy of Satan uh, to actually recruit uh, the teenagers and the children into a gay existence. And so this really is what they they want to use, a ruse term that was developed from the Southern Poverty Law Center, and Randy Thomas was a part of those meetings uh, to come out with a human rights campaign that we're going to start calling this conversion therapy, like it's some nefarious activity going on when actually what's happening are people are finding lasting freedom and more than 50% of these people, as painful as this is to hear, they were sexually molested as children. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, most of these people in the documentary, uh, when you look at their history, they have terrible trauma in their life. But now as adults to promote this and to attack the church and to attack ministries like First Stone is really a sad state in which we find ourselves as a nation. Well, and when you consider kids, for example, and I know there are lots of examples of this from various therapists I've talked to, when you have kids who have been sexually abused by a same-sex person, there can be unwanted feelings of same-sex attraction, but those kids might be Christians or at least raised in a Christian home, and they say, this is morally wrong. What do I do about these feelings? I'm just so confused, and I'm so upset, and this was abusive, and what do I do? Now, what you're doing in California, you're seeing, no, no, you just have to affirm your homosexuality. There's no help for you because those people you would seek out for help, those are dangerous. And I'm telling you, Stephen, this is exactly why people need to be informed. I'm going to reference, again, all the listeners to Freedom Realized by Stephen Black and also FirstStone.org. FirstStone Ministry is a wonderful ministry that truly does proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and his power to transform 
any sinner. Stephen, always a delight to have you. Thank you so much for being with us again. Yeah, thank you for being a great um, investigative reporter and a truth teller. Thank well, you so much. You're such a good friend. Thank you so much, Stephen. God bless you and all your team uh, there at God First. Bless you. All right. Thank you for listening to Janet Mefford today. Hey, you can be part of our campaign with Bible League. $5 is all it takes to buy a Bible. Get it to Africa. We're trying to get to that magic number of 1,500 Bibles sent to Africa. Call now, 800-YES-WORD, 800-Y-E-S-W-O-R-D.